Shalom, everyone. It's time for Ancient Jewish Wisdom for a Modern World that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of the Dust of the Rabbi podcast. We are in season number three, episode number 10, and boy, I hope you enjoyed those bonus episodes of eight and nine, talking about how to have a prophetic prayer life. Well, I'm still enjoying the power of prayer, and I'm still enjoying the power of a good time with the Lord, having a devotion time with the Lord. So I hope you're using your journal, your highlighter pens, and all the resources you have to study the Word of God, and to take the Word of God, praying always like we take the sword of the Spirit into intercessory prayer. And so I want to talk a little bit more about this topic, but I want to dive into what I call how to pray like the patriarchs and the prophets. And I want to continue this idea of prayer. So I've got my wonderful cup of tea of choice today. Hopefully you're doing the same. And it has been raining all day, so I'm enjoying a nice cozy time at home while I'm working from home today. So I'm grateful that you have joined us and are listening. And wherever you're at, if you're driving or you're in your home or on a break, enjoy these platforms of listening to the podcast. Or even if you're watching on YouTube, just enjoy this time where we can go deeper into what 2024 could look like if we were more consistent, persistent, intentional, and purposeful with our prayer life. So let's talk a little bit how to pray like the patriarchs, as well as how to pray like the prophets. I'll probably do a part one and part two. We'll officially call this one part one. And so let's take a look at some thoughts today. And I want you to download ancient Jewish wisdom from this messianic rabbi. I enjoy so many conversations with people around the world, especially when I talk to Jewish people about prayer. It usually brings up to the surface how consistent their prayer life is, or whether it's something more of a tradition or ritual done in the synagogue. Jewish scholarship teaches us that we should pray consistently, and the examples they use are the patriarchs. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we know that God declares, I am the God of Abraham, Elohei Avraham. And he's the God of Isaac, Elohei Yitzhak. And he's the God of Jacob, Velohei Yaakov. And so when you think about ancient Jewish prayer, some of the prayers we love praying in the Jewish world, especially Messianic Jewish world, we like using a prayer book called a Siddur. And that means order. In other words, it's the order of prayers we should pray daily and weekly, especially on Shabbat. There's even a special one called a Maksur for the High Holy Days or any feast day, the Moedim, the Feasts of the Lord. And so one of the things that we love to do is see the ancient way of praying, just like you enjoy downloading ancient Jewish wisdom. So let me read something to you from the oral tradition, oral Torah of the Talmud in Tractate Ta'anit 2a. It says, according to the oral Torah, prayer is a biblical command. You shall serve God with your whole heart, it says, quoting Deuteronomy 11.13. It asks the question from our sages, what is this service that's being talked about with all the heart? And the sages come back with the answer, this is prayer. The prayers are therefore referred to as avodah shebalev, which is the service of the heart. 
It goes on to say in the oral law of the Talmud in tractate Brachot 26b, a section on blessings. It says there are two reasons why we should have three times for basic prayer. Each service was instituted parallel to a sacrificial time in the temple in Jerusalem. So this is one of the answers, is that there was a morning offering that became the time of morning prayer. There was an afternoon offering for the time of afternoon prayer. And then there was an evening offering of all the leftover offerings of the day, and that would be similar to the evening prayer. So as you think about the three times that prayer was offered up to God during the sacrificial system in the temple, it was three times a day, and that's exactly what we see prayer becoming when the temple is even destroyed. Three times a day would they pray, in the morning, in the afternoon, and the evening. Now, according to Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina, each of the patriarchs also instituted prayer because Abraham prayed in the morning, Isaac in the afternoon, and Jacob with evening prayers. This view is supported by biblical quotes indicating that the patriarchs prayed at the times mentioned. However, even according to this view, the exact times of when the services are held, and moreover, the entire concept of afternoon service in the temple are still based upon the sacrifices. So let me read a passage of scripture talking about the morning prayer. It goes back to Genesis 22, when Abraham is going to offer up Isaac on Mount Moriah. And it says in verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, Here I am, or in Hebrew, Hineni. Then he said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. So here is the famous story where God reveals himself as the God who will provide what we need. Adonai Yireh. You might know Jireh as the word for Yireh, meaning he who sees or provides. And that's where we actually get the concept of provision. Vision by which you see what is needed and you meet the need. That's what provision is. And so God not only can see, but he can see to what we need, because only God could see the ram coming up the other side of the mountain for Abraham to offer on behalf of Isaac as a substitution. So when you think about the provision that Abraham declared when he says, the Lord will provide, Adonai Yireh, the yud Hey vav Hey Adonai, and the verb that means to see or to provide, yireh, from ra'ah. We know that this reveals that Abraham trusted God as his provider. And I like to say it this way, God is our source and everything else is just a resource. And if God is our source, then he is our provider. So this is where Abraham becomes the example of why we should pray in the morning. Now, if we continue on, it says in Genesis twenty-four sixty-three that Isaac also went out to pray in the field towards the evening, meaning the afternoon. It says, who lift up his eyes and looked, and behold, the camels came. So when Isaac went out to pray in the field, it was towards evening, or what we call the afternoon. It wasn't the evening yet. It was towards the evening or in the afternoon season. And this is why we have afternoon sacrifices in the temple, because of this afternoon time of prayer. And then finally, we could look at Genesis 28 to see Jacob modeling prayer in the evening. As it says, he lighted upon a place, the Hebrew word 
has a root paga, which means to make and have an intercessory encounter between two situations where you're forced to kind of intercede or call out to God. It says that he lighted upon a place, or literally a place of intercession, a certain place, and tarried or prayed there all night because the sun was set, and he took one of the stones of the place and put it upon his head and laid down in that place to sleep. What a perfect picture of thinking of prayer, especially prayers where we pray that God will put bonds of sleep on our eyes, that we'll pray just a little bit. We'll talk about the bedtime Shema, the bedtime prayer, where God will give us peace, that we will lay down in peace and arise again in peace. You see that Jacob prayed to God in the night hour, in that evening time, and he went to bed and slept I believe in perfect peace. In fact, he had a wonderful dream of angels ascending and descending through that time of being in such shalom, such peace. So now, if you think about the temple and how the sacrifices were arranged morning, afternoon, evening, what happens when the temple was destroyed? The Babylonians destroyed the temple in 586 B.C., And young men like Daniel had to learn how to pray. And I've been on a modified Daniel fast for the last few weeks, and I've got one more week to go. So when I think about Daniel and the way he fasted, the delicacies of the king, I think about this 21-day time of prayer and intercession that he was interceding for Israel, especially in light of the destruction of the temple and Israel going back to rebuild. So when you think about Daniel, you look at chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, while in ruin, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So it's interesting that Daniel had a custom of praying three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening before going to bed. So this is something that not only the patriarchs did, but Daniel, who is prophetically used to interpret visions and dreams, even having visions himself, he is praying and interceding for Israel as all the prophets of Israel did, and he's being used prophetically to pray for his people. So I want you to think about the service of the temple, and I want you to think about the service of the heart. What if your heart could totally serve God, that you would love him with all your heart, soul, and strength. And if your heart is engaged in prayer, then your heart is servicing God and serving his purposes in the earth. And when you think about also the Messiah of Israel, which if you're a Messianic believer, you already believe that Yeshua HaMashiach is the Messiah. Now you might be Jewish and say, well, I appreciate Rabbi, your understanding of prayer from the patriarchs and the prayers of these prophets, as well as the prayers of the tabernacle and the temple times that we read about in the Torah and after. But this Jesus guy, I'm not sure about him. Remember, ancient Jewish wisdom and walking in the dust of the rabbi is all about considering the dust of our sages and the rabbis that have been spoken of throughout Jewish writings, including the Talmud 
and the Mishnah, and especially Pirkei Avot 1.4 that we talked about becoming dusty from the dust of the rabbis or the sages of blessed memory. And we should drink in their words with thirst. To sit in the dust, to even wrestle in the dust with the words that they speak, and to consider the instructions, the teachings, the parables of these rabbis. This is exactly what the twelve that were chosen by Yeshua did when they followed him and he promised to make them fishers of men. He was a rabbi and he was preparing them to also teach what he taught and do as he did. In fact, Yeshua would always do first, then teach. Because it's better to follow someone who's doing what they're teaching you versus someone who says one thing and does another. So when it comes to prayer, Jesus, Yeshua, was a man of prayer. In fact, I could read you a verse of scripture here in Mark chapter 1, 35. It's actually the Gospel of Mark, or what we call it in Greek, Marcos. And it says, In the morning before the sun was up, Jesus, or Yeshua, went to a place where he could be alone, and he prayed there. So Yeshua had a regular time of prayer early in the morning, before the sun rose, before anyone would get up, probably even before his disciples, because notice he was alone. And sometimes I'm sure the disciples ask, where's Jesus? And someone would probably be smart enough to say, well, you know where Jesus is. He's praying, as he always does early in the morning. It should be our custom also. I'm going to encourage you to pray early in the morning. David said, early in the morning will I seek you. David also said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants or longs after thee, O God, for the living God. And when you think of times of prayer, you have to have a set time. Look at the Gospel of Luke or Lucas. Lucas 11.1 1 says, One day Jesus, Yeshua, was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, notice one of his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, the disciples were asking Jesus, Yeshua, to teach them to pray because they saw Jesus praying himself. And so it says he had a certain place. So I like to say it this way. There needs to be a set time to pray every day. And I encourage you, start in the morning, progress on to doing it also in the afternoon, and definitely pray before you go to bed. There also has to be a set place. Because Jesus definitely had a place that he could be intimate with his Heavenly Father. Whether he was being tempted by the enemy, or he was just finding a place in a garden to pray, Jesus, Yeshua, always prayed in a set place, just like he had a set time. And finally, you have to have a set plan. You see, prayer time doesn't happen by chance. Prayer time happens because it's plan time. If you don't plan to pray, you will not pray at all. Because everything we do, we have to have a plan. I love it the way they say it in the business world. Plan the work and then work the plan. It is a work, a service, but unto the Lord. It is the service of the heart to pray, to intercede. The only way you're going to pray with fervency, intentionality, and with purpose and passion It's for you to have a set time to pray. It's for you to have a set place to pray. And third, to have a set plan to pray. How are you going to pray? This is why we have the Lord's Prayer, what I call the Disciples' Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Many of the points of that prayer go back to ancient Jewish prayer, even back to King David. Man, maybe our next episode will actually talk about how to pray like David prayed. And so when you think about the times of prayer, 
even the watches of prayer. There were actually literally certain times of the day that they would set watch, watchmen on the wall. Will you be a watchman on the wall today? Will you be an intercessor for yourself, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your community, your church, your cathedral, your synagogue, your community center, the people in your county, the people in your state, the people in your nation? Think about wherever you're at. There is a set time, a set place, and a set plan to pray. And as you close out your day in prayer, I want to share with you a certain prayer I pray every day. And I'm going to take it from a Sephardic Siddur that my assistant rabbi gave me. And this Sephardic Siddur, very similar to the Ashkenazi Siddur that I have, Sephardic Jews are Spanish Jews that were scattered around the the world. And then there's Ashkenazi Jews that come out of Central Eastern Europe, so German, Polish, Russian Jews, and others that follow a certain style of melody when they pray and when they sing, certain blessings and prayers, but a certain tradition of prayer that are very similar, but they have their distinctions. So I'm going to pray out of a prayer that's very famous to some. It's called the Shema, but it's called the Bedtime Shema. And I'm going to read to you this Bedtime Shema on page 341, if you're reading the English, out of this Art Scroll Sephardic Siddur, or prayer book. And it's going to really set the tone for the things that you want to do within the day, but how you close out your day. Orthodox Jews will pray the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, three times a day, or at least two times a day, morning and evening. I like to think of this prayer kind of carrying you through your entire day, especially when you get ready to go to bed. Master of the universe, I hereby forgive anyone who's angered, antagonized me, or sinned against me, whether against my body, my property, my honor, against anything of mine, whether he did it accidentally, willfully, carelessly, or purposefully whether by speech or deed. I forgive every Jew. No man shall be punished because of me. May it be your will, O Lord our God and God of our forefathers, that I sin no more. Whatever sins I have done before you, blot out all these sins in your abundant mercies, but not through any suffering or bad illness. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable before you, O Lord my God, my rock and my redeemer. And then there is a next part of the prayer that most pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. You cast bonds of sleep upon my eyes and slumber upon my eyelids, and you illuminate the pupil of my eye. May it be your will, O Lord our God and God of our fathers, that you lay us down to sleep in peace and raise up erect for good and life and peace. Grant us our share in your Torah. Accustom us to fulfill the mitzvot or the commandments, and do not accustom us to transgress them. Do not bring us into the power of error. Think about Jesus, Yeshua saying, lead us not into temptation. Or into the power of challenge, the power of scorn. Let our good inclination dominate us and do not let our evil inclination, we would say that it comes from our flesh, dominate us. Rescue us from the evil inclination and from harmful illnesses. May any bad dreams or bad notions not confound us. May our offspring be perfect before you and may you illuminate our eyes lest we die in sleep. Blessed are you, O Lord, who illuminates the entire world 
with his glory. And then the famous Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And the special words from the Shema in English from Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So the Lord literally is our God, and there is only one God like him. Blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Amen. And then, of course, the famous words of the Ve'ahavta. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. As it continues to tell us, these words that he speaks to us today should be upon our heart. We should teach them thoroughly to our children. Speak of them when we sin in our home, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, and when we arise. That we should bind them as a sign upon our arm and place them as to fill in between our eyes and write them on the doorposts of our house and upon our gates in what we call a mezuzah, a mezuzah. So when you think about this closing prayer, it tells you to forgive anybody before you go to bed, before you even ask God to make your eyes heavy with sleep. You know, you can't really get good rest when you haven't forgiven. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we need to forgive those that have angered us, antagonized us today. And every day, to be able to go to bed and sleep and sweet shalom, we need to loose and let go of all those things that give us bad dreams and bad inclinations and bad thoughts, not only from our day, but the ones that spill over into the next day's behavior and action. So I encourage you, start praying early in the morning Continue in the afternoon, close out your evening, even with the bedtime Shema, and pray like one of the patriarchs and the prophets of Israel. Okay, get ready for part two. We're going to go a little deeper and talk about King David's prayer, and you're going to learn how to pray like a king. So let's believe God for a prosperous 2024. If you like this episode, share it with friends. Continue to like, to save, share the content. You can review and rate the podcast and just continue to walk in the dust of the rabbi. See you soon. Love you. Lehitrot. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. Lehitrot. See you next time.